The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me once again, uh, the one, the only Mr. Akshaz Devadula. Akshaz, how are we doing, man? Thursday night, getting closer to, to Sunday. What a week it's been, huh? Yeah, um, like we were talking about a little before, long day, so my apologies <laughs> if you hear long extended pauses that can't be edited out, or more likely me forgetting how words work. But, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic for a win on Sunday, I think. I, I don't know. It's, it's so crazy. I feel almost as secure. I will. No, I feel exactly the same knowing that Brock Purdy is starting this game than I did that Jimmy Garoppolo is. I don't know if that's weird? a... It is. I don't know if that's a like indictment of Garoppolo, a testament to Purdy, a reality of the 49ers team, or just me like not thinking straight. Probably <laughs> all of the above. It, but yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I think I think that's definitely it could be all all of those things all at once, right? Um, I think we mentioned last time uh, that the, the the conversation has been like been centered around like the reason that Brock Purdy might might actually be okay here is because the the 49ers just just don't really need their quarterback to be great at this point as they are currently constructed like they just kind of need somebody who can stand back there deliver the ball and not do something stupid right um so it's it's weird to think and i think Kyle Shanahan even said it himself right earlier in the week um that they didn't have to change very much uh, when they moved over from Garoppolo to Purdy, um, a lot different than when they went from from Trey Lance to Garoppolo, where the they had to throw out you know a big chunk of the playbook because Garoppolo is not going to run like like Lance did and all that stuff. Um, but they didn't have to make that many changes, and they could pretty much run exactly what the game plan was on on Sunday. And we'll see if that remains the same. I I think that's a pretty safe assessment. Like you know, other than the fact that Garoppolo's 
older and has been in the league longer? Are there are there massive differences between the two of them? I, I'm not sure, but you know, time will tell whether or not that is is really true. But it's it, it's interesting, and it will be interesting to see how much of that is the case. And you know, we talked about the fact that it wasn't it wasn't if as if they had abandoned their their normal sort of game plan on Sunday. They threw the ball a lot still. Um, which might have been the plan against a, a Miami team that's much worse against the pass than they are against the run. So it, it'll be interesting. Like, <laughs> will they basically treat Purdy like a, a, a younger, maybe slightly more athletic Garoppolo will be an interesting thing to watch over the course of the next five weeks? Especially because Purdy has his own, like, works. I think one thing that Garoppolo has that, we kind of take for granted because it's easy to kind of discount some of the things he does. He has a quick release and he has a pretty like sharp arm on these quick releases in a way that like Purdy doesn't have. Cause we talked about this a lot last week and I'm just like, until he proves me wrong, Purdy's arm is just, it's really, it's like fringe NFL caliber. That doesn't mean he can't be a good QB. But it's a legitimate issue because Garoppolo can pump some in there in like the 10 to 19 yards down the field when he just gets zip on it. That ball slings, and he's a he's an arm thrower too. So I think how Purdy his first test against the Dolphins was a little weird, and once it became like Purdy against the Dolphins, it feels like both Shanahan and and the Dolphins kind of just lost sight of a normal game plan. A lot of, like, obscene pressure kind of designed towards getting a quarterback rattled. Most of it didn't work. Some of it did. And I think the Bucks defense especially might be the best litmus test because they're a little scuffling, but they've got a pretty good pass rush, a pretty solid secondary, a top five, I'd say, Linebacker tandem, maybe, because Devin White's been kind of off this year, but Levante David, one of the best. So it's it's one of those savvy teams that, you know, can get in a QB's head. And I think if he plays well against Tampa Bay, there's a real a lot of good confidence going forward. The NFL's week to week, but you just want to see him kind of be able to manage a game. Last week... Right. We were a little concerned about he was a little loosey goosey with the ball, and it didn't turn out to you know cost him. But the last thing you need is a situation where Thursday night against Seattle, you throw like a couple <laughs> interceptions and boom, it's over. Because yeah, like on paper the Niners are a better team than basically anyone in the NFL since maybe Kansas City and Philadelphia. Maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a whole nother discussion we could have. Right. <laughs> but paper is kind of irrelevant because you get these situations where, for the 49ers, QBs playing not like average is the difference between a win or a loss. And I don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic. I think he has a good head on him. I say this despite the fact that Brock Purdy is like <laughs> three years older than me. But... <laughs> Uh, he seems like just, he just, he understands. Yeah, just wait till you get to the point where you're older than most of the the players, and you're like, ah, oh, these kids running around playing <laughs> football. Get them; they're so cute. Um, 
yeah, that's, that's kind of where I am. But except for Tom Brady, I think he might be one of the few young who's older than me. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I generally agree with what you're saying. Um, uh, so it'll be, it, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays, and we'll we'll talk more about it in detail um, throughout the remainder of this episode. But um, obviously, as we've alluded to and, and pretty much said outright. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are coming to town. This is the third straight home game for the 49ers, who, of course, don't have to leave the Western time or the Pacific time zone. I should say the Western time zone does not exist. exist. Um, The Pacific time zone for the remainder of their schedule, which is fantastic news. After three straight home games travel to Seattle, they play another home game against the Commanders on Christmas Eve. Huzzah. Um, as I, I, I wrote a, a piece uh, just the other day for for the site, and I predicted the final five outcomes of, of the games for this for the rest of the season. Um, and I said, leave it to the schedule makers to, you know, it would be that the Niners would get, you know, because the, the benefit of the Thursday night game is you're supposed to get like 10, 10 or possibly 11 days in between games. The Niners get the one week where they where pretty much everybody's playing on Saturday, the, the, the following week. And so they only get nine days between, between games. So there you go. Um, funny how that works. And then they travel to Las Vegas and then home against the Cardinals to finish it out. So Tampa Bay, Tom Brady. Um, Hey, um, actually, did you know that uh, Tom Brady was a 49ers fan growing up? Is that, did you, have you heard about that? You know, the first I've ever heard of it, <laughs> despite the fact I, that, you know, Sarah high school, is was one of the schools that competed in my high school's like athletic ah, league, so they didn't talk about okay, it so at all. That never came up. Never, you know, <laughs> never. never knew it. Yeah, yeah. If, please, uh, if you're listening to this, don't don't play any kind of like drinking game or anything with how many times they mentioned the the 49ers connection with Tom Brady, because um, there's not on, they're not only going to mention that like how he grew up in the Bay Area and da 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 da, but they'll probably mention the the they might mention the whole like they flirted with bringing Brady in a couple of years ago. Like there, it, it could get a little crazy. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, but the, you know, the Buccaneers are coming into town. They won on Monday night. It, I say they won. I, that's being very kind to what that game was. They were down uh, what 16 to three with basically like four or five minutes left to go in the game. And the saints Basically handed them the ball, handed them the game by allowing them to score twice inside of the final several minutes of the game, two touchdowns to to win it. So that's what happens when you when you when you do that. Um, so they lost 17 to 16 because the Saints are not very good um, as it turns out. Um, but their defense was, I, I thought, better than that. But they they just really just handed the uh, the, the Buccaneers the game there. Um, but this has been a weird season for the Bucks, right? They're six and six, technically still in first place in the most bizarre uh, division in the NFL, the NFC South, where they are the only team that is at 500. Everybody else is below 500. Um, so first place, but I, I don't think anybody would say that, that it's, that it's been a, a great season for them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out um, in a lot of ways. Uh, before we get into that, let's uh, talk about where teams are as far as health is concerned. Um, starting with Tampa Bay, a couple of notable players that have uh, yet to practice this week. So Wednesday, Thursday, uh, as we head into Friday practices, um, and the two most notable players on that list are safety Antoine Winfield Jr., who hasn't practiced this week with an ankle injury, and then offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs, 
who has not practiced this week with an ankle and a knee uh, injury. Uh, they've had limited practices for uh, nose tackle Vita Vea uh, with foot and shoulder. And cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting has been limited with a quadricep injury. Um, and they also have not uh, had any practice this week for free safety Mike Edwards. So they don't have a lot of names on that list, but some interesting ones and some one and some names that if for whatever reason they weren't able to go able to go would probably change <laughs> the, the the face of the game in a lot of ways, especially um, notably uh, Tristan Wirfs. Um, but also I would argue that Vita Vea might be the, the, the other name that stands out on that list uh, to me. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, those are a lot of big names and not mentioned on the injury list, but Shaq Barrett out for the year. That's a big mm-hmm. There, I mean, the Bucks defense, if without Vita Vea especially, they, they kind of lose their teeth. And that's not saying that they're like terrible without him, but so much of what they do kind of comes from trench control in their front seven. Antron midfield with Winfield. Oh boy. In the in the secondary. Also, you know, these are just like big name players who help stabilize their team in much of the same way, obviously to not the same extent. We talk about like Fred Warner and Nick Bosa. And you know, for Brock Purdy, you get a lot of those injuries. It's not gonna be like you want to be in a situation where Todd Bowles and that defensive staff feel the need they have to like construct challenges for you because their defense alone can't like cut it. Like yeah, when it comes to sure. like the 49ers, most of the time, D'Amico Ryans can just be like, if I play like cover two man or something, or Tampa two and have Fred Warner cover the middle of the field and rush four, odds are I'll beat you like at least 30% of the time, just by doing nothing. And that's probably a way low estimate. And the idea is that, you know, you don't want to have to be exotic because you have to be. You want to be exotic because you can be. So, yeah, it's a big deal. The 49ers have a lot of offensive talent, and especially if Vita Vea is out and the Bucks can't control the ground, and you get a chance for those big guys, Banks, Brendel, Burford, or Brunskill, whoever plays, if Burford is still hurt. Like, if they get a chance to really start grinding their gears and getting a little bit of, like, momentum going, it can be a long day for for Tampa Bay. Because you know the 49ers, it looked like Shanahan trusted Purdy to throw, and there were some interesting comments he made that I think he mentioned how Purdy always looks for the deeper option in the progression, and you like that as opposed to the alternative, before realizing that what he said is a diss of Jimmy Garoppolo, so he stopped talking (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, you're basically – it can be a huge deal. I think that can change the game more than anything because the other side, which we'll get to in a little bit, Tampa's offense versus the 49ers defense, that's already – that's going to be – that's going to be what's talked about the most. I don't think that's where the game will be won or lost. I think it's going to get won or lost if the 49ers offense can just, like, not, like, suck against the Bucks defense. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Well said. Uh, I, yeah. Definitely notable there. And obviously, if Tristan Wirfs can't go, uh, that oh, will yeah. be a, a definite um, bad situation uh, for that offensive line, which is already 
struggling um, to keep uh, to keep protection. Um, I, I think they've done a, a pretty decent job of actually keeping Tom Brady upright in spite of that. But the, the pressure numbers, I think, are pretty high. And, you know, they lost pretty much their entire starting offensive line from last year, uh, save for Werfs, I believe. He's the only returning player who's not either on another team or, or hurt or something like that uh, this year. So um, if he can't go and they have to get a yet another reserve player, that's, that's certainly not not good from them. Um, because of the, the the depth on that 49ers defensive line and elsewhere. Um, speaking of the 49ers defensive line, um, it is notable that Nick Bosa has um, not practiced yet this week. Um, it appears, based on the conversation, that it's very similar to to, uh, to Debo Samuel last week, where they're just like, you know, he doesn't, he's fine. Like he doesn't really need to practice. He, we're just trying to. You know, keep his keep him under keep him safe and make sure he doesn't further hurt himself. It's it's a hamstring injury, um, which you know makes sense with with something like that. Sometimes the best thing to do is just to kind of let it rest and let it ride, and you know he'll be okay. Um, I imagine it'll be very similar to Debo last week, where they'll hope that he'll get out there on Friday um, just a little bit, and then he'll be pretty much good to go for um, for the game on Sunday. Uh, I, I imagine barring any unforeseen circumstance that he'll be ready to go. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously not practicing. <laughs> I, I did, um, expecting him to go on IR, uh, before the end of the week. Uh, Tarverius Moore didn't practice with a knee injury, has yet to practice this week. Uh, Hassan Rinjaway, obviously also expected to go on IR here pretty soon with a pectoral injury. Um, Eric Armstead, Spencer Burford, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel have all been limited so far this week. That makes sense pretty much across the board, right? Eric Armstead coming back his first game in a couple of months. It it, it makes sense that they're not going to push him too hard during practice. Again, another veteran player who doesn't probably need the the reps so much is just getting out there, getting loose, getting ready to go. Uh, Burford, who didn't play last week, I uh, imagine they're probably going to take it slow with him as well, make sure he doesn't uh, re-aggravate that ankle. And then McCaffrey uh, and Samuel with their respective injuries that they were struggling to get back from last week. But both played and uh, both were pretty effective, I'd say, against the Dolphins. So I'm not really concerned about any of those injuries. Obviously, Garoppolo, Ridgeway, they're expected to be out. Um, Tarverius Moore would be a miss on the special teams uh, crew if he's not able to go. But outside of that, I feel like there's a pretty good chance that the rest of them have a have a are more than likely going to play this week. I'm not too terribly concerned. Yeah, I think barring like the longer term injuries, which I can't believe we have to say, but the Niners are pretty healthy. Players who <laughs> we keep players players who expect to be out, notwithstanding, there's not there's seems to be less of these nagging kind of week to week things, kind of like what Eric Armstead was going through where. It seemed like a constant struggle to see if he'd be able to play. Like, the 49ers know who they're dealing with. I think Tarverius Moore is probably week to week. I think I read somewhere with a knee sprain. So, Mm -hmm. unlikely he plays this week. But, no, the Niners should be well geared up. And like we talked about, I think the biggest loss out of the group beyond Jimmy Garoppolo is Hassan Ridgeway just because what he's been doing as like the Kinlaw slash Armstead replacement, it's been super invaluable. Hopefully with Armstead back, it kind of lessens the burden, but you know, it's just what the 49ers do. They get these guys, especially on the defensive line to come in and produce and man, 
Beyond that, though, I think all the other injuries seem just like maintenance, like you mentioned. And, you know, we don't really want to say what games are more important than the others, but the game that matters within the next, like, week, we're recording on Thursday from now, is the game on Thursday. That's a must-must-win. So, if you, what's it called, if you let someone heal up a little bit to make sure they can be ready to go on Thursday, I think that's the right call. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, this game matters a little bit more than, like, the Raiders game does you know, mm-hmm. in week, week 17 because that's an AFC opponent, a team that's not likely to be in making any difference in a playoff push. The only reason I could say this one matters maybe a little bit more than that is because it's looking like more than likely that the winner of the NFC West and the winner of the NFC South are going to be the three and four seeds, right? Um, so... It, it might matter to a, a little bit in terms of like making sure that you get the highest possible seat that you can um, for the playoffs. Cause it's unlikely at this point that, that the, the one or two seed will be available with the Eagles and Vikings um, kind of way out in front at this point, the two seed might be in play if the Vikings kind of fall apart um, a little bit, but uh, I, that, that would be the only reason. But as you say, the, the game on Thursday next week is vastly more important because if you win that one, you're pretty much guaranteed like there's almost no way you can lose the division at that point <laughs> unless you fall apart completely and lose the rest of your games and finish you know nine and eight or whatever and that and but i yeah we'll we'll talk about that more next week but uh, um yeah I'm, I'm right there with you so um all right so let's get uh deeper into this game and more specific about the things uh, that we want to say about it. Um, so, Akshaz, I'll, I'll, I'll go to you uh, as we as we do every week. Talk about reasons for optimism, reasons for concern, and we'll start with your reasons for optimism. A um, couple of big ones, namely that the 49ers defense, I think, is a really good matchup against Tampa Bay. They're, the Niners defense struggles the most when teams are able to kind of consistently run on them. Rushing stats are not always the best indication of how a defense is doing because they're kind of indicative of the game overall. If a team has over 100 yards, it likely means they were up, therefore they wanted to run more. Rarely is it just the case that a team was, like, running roughshod over you. But Tampa has, like, the league's worst, if not one of the worst, rushing offenses. The 49ers are well-equipped there. And I think, just in general, the Niners are a better team. And... I think that's something that was a little that wasn't the case two years ago. But at this point, even with Brock Purdy, the 49ers defense is just better than Tampa's offense, even with Tom Brady. And like that alone is my reason for optimism. It's just literally the fact that they're the better team. They are better in the back end against Tampa's receivers. They have better linebackers than Tampa's running backs and tight ends. And their defensive line is better than Tampa's offensive line. Tampa has been really struggling, like you mentioned at the beginning. That eventual win they had over the Saints doesn't do justice to just how terrible they were against the Saints defense. A defense that is not at the same, quite good, but not at the same caliber as the 49ers defense. So... I mentioned a little earlier how I think the offense just needs to not suck. The reason why is I don't think Tampa scores more than like 
13 in this game. And if you hold them to 13, you should win. So that's what I think is a little bold, and it's more <laughs> off vibes than anything else. I'm not like, but there's just a real sense of engagement that this defense has. And I don't know, when you have this much of a discrepancy everywhere, Tom Brady's like the greatest of all time, unfortunately, that he's yeah. surpassed Joe Montana in that regard. You're going to expect him to do something of the like, you know. He'll get a play or two there, but there's just too much talent everywhere, and the disparity is so much higher to where this defense should just be able to take care of business. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely right there with you. Um, it, it's It's been strange, like, how bad this Bucks offense has been. Um, you noted their rushing offense in particular. Uh, if you just look at it's sort of the raw statistics, um, which is a you know a good starting point, they have the league's worst rushing uh, attack. They have attempted just uh, 267 rushes, which is 31st in the league. They have 879 yards, uh, which is last in the league. They have four rushing touchdowns, which is last in the league, and they're averaging a whopping 3.3 yards per carry. And would you be surprised to to hear? that that is also last in the league um so they just they can't run the ball like at all like it's not even funny um interestingly enough uh the 3.3 yards per carry is the same number of yards that the 49ers defense gives up um which is first in the league uh in that particular metric um it's just weird that they can't do anything their passing offense is not like significantly better um it, it but they 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 do. They're all right. Like, I mean, they're kind of more middle of the pack, lower part of the of the of the of the, of the league kind of thing there. If you want, you know, like the um, a net yards per attempt stat, which I think is the, the best one to look at as opposed to overall, because if you look at their overall passing numbers, they're fifth in the league in total yards, um, which looks pretty good. But they're only at five point nine yards per attempt, which is 20th in the league. So it's maybe they're they're racking up yards and they're doing OK in that regard. They're 17th overall in um in total yards but just not doing it very efficiently um which is also sort of shown in in their in their overall offensive dvoa uh they sit at 16th in the nfl in total their passing dvoa is actually pretty good they're ninth uh but the rushing uh dvoa is uh 30th in the league so that just tells you they just haven't been able to run the ball which of course takes away from the fact that you just basically get to a point where you're like, oh, well, they're just they're just they're not going to try. Right. Because the, the numbers of attempts plus the number of yards just suggest that eventually they just give up. Right. They just don't just like Miami did on Sunday. They're just like, you know what? This isn't working. So who cares? Right. Um, and so they just get to the point where they're just not even going to try. Um, and, and those numbers are are pretty well documented in in their in their if you look at individual players Leonard Fournette has 145 attempts which leads the team by a pretty sizable amount um actually let's a little little fun little fun trivia for you who do you think is the third is third on the team in rushing attempts for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here's in 2022 so first is Fournette second yep. is Rashad White yep 83 attempts mm-hmm 
man. Is it Tom Brady? <laughs> it is Tom Brady <laughs> with 20 rushing yards or 20 rushing attempts. Yeah, consequently, he has negative seven yards on that. I'm guessing that's mostly um, QB sneaks and kneel downs, but yeah, that's um, that's pretty sad, right? Uh, um, <laughs> uh, and and it's weird because you look at this offense and you're like, okay, Tom Brady, like greatest quarterback of all time. You know, you said that, right? They got Julio Jones. They got Chris Godwin. They got uh, Mike Evans, who, you know, is not really having a Mike Evans. They they have good players on this offense. It doesn't make any sense why they're so bad, but they are for some reason. Um, and then you combine that with everything, all those other numbers with just the fact that they're 27th in the league in scoring. Um, they have, they've scored 217 points. This is the other thing that that's, that's interesting to me. I was just looking at their, their touchdown log for the season. Their offense has scored 20 touchdowns this season. 20. Um, they've scored 21 as a team. One of them was an interception return, but they have 20 rush, 20 touchdowns on the season. 16 of those, as I mentioned, were, were passes because they only have four on offense. Um, now, their defense is managing to keep them in games. They've only given up 25 touchdowns on the season, which is why they're even in the neighborhood of, of being decent. Um, by comparison, the Niners offense or the Niners have scored, uh, let's see, 29 touchdowns because they have three, yep, three defensive touchdowns. Um, and their defense has given up just 20 uh, touchdowns. If you take away um, the, the fumble recovery against the Falcons and then the blocked field goal against Seattle. Um, just gives you a sense of like the discrepancy between these two teams. So I'm right there with you. Like this is a perfect, like we talked about against Miami. I was like strength against strength. This is like nine 49ers defensive strength versus the Buccaneers, not so much offensive strength. And you just look at it and you go, how in the world, like are these Buccaneers? Like they were, they were very much in danger of only scoring three points last week until the saints just sort of fell apart. Um, and I just don't. And the the 49ers defense is significantly better than than the than the Saints is, and their defense is pretty good. Um, so you can only imagine, like, how in the world are they going to score points? I just I just have no idea. Yeah, um, and I guess actually this can kind of segue into the concerns because I agree yeah, yeah. with you entirely. I think the defense has a clear strength against the offense. The concern is that the Buccaneers defense has been, like you said, good enough to keep them kind of in games. And there's a way to look at this game. It really comes down to which offense do you trust more to not fall apart, Tom Brady or Brock Purdy? And, (laughs) I mean, when you say it that way... Yeah, I was going to say when you put it that way, gracious. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think this kind of goes back to what we've been talking about ever since, like, Brock Purdy is given the nod. The 49ers' offense needs to be competent. More specifically, their quarterback needs to be competent. But we've seen that's not the most, like, easy thing to do in the NFL. I mean, C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins, we have had some Garoppolo stinkers. Like, it can be bad. And that's the only way the Niners lose this game, I think. But it's a very plausible way if you're telling me that the buccaneers and the 49ers are basically in a race to get like two touchdowns and (laughs) honestly that could be the way this game goes two touchdowns wins and 
if you're just like I give you like names, I just say names at you: Tom Brady or Brock Purdy, mm-hmm. Devo Samuel or Mike Evans. You start thinking a bit. You're like, okay, I don't know. This isn't as this isn't as obvious as I thought it would be. You know, yeah, yeah. there's there's a real concern that you know Tom Brady does just enough, like they did against the Saints. Obviously, the Saints had something going on, but do you, you do just enough to win? And you know, part of the reason the 49ers survived with Brock Purdy against Miami is because Tua was just not good. Right. Yeah. And you know. He was missing players. The Dolphins' offense was just out of sync. Although that was because of the 49ers like playing well when they needed to, that was just the offense off sync, and that allowed that gave Brock Purdy a lot of like freedom in, you know, play as you play. You have a pretty decent buffer, and you know I'm not going to discount Purdy's performance. It was quite exceptional for a seventh round pick, Mister Irrelevant, coming into a game cold, but. That's there's it seems hard, despite the statistics you said about the offensive ineptitude of the Bucks, to assume that they're just not going to be able to operate as well as like to a level where you expect the you need the offense to kind of like not forget to show up. And yeah. you know, maybe I'll be proven wrong and we'll see a great defensive performance and the Buccaneers will look terrible. But I think my concern is that if you're telling me you need one of these two offenses to show up, I'm taking the one led by Tom Brady every time. And yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. Um, this is, I mean, I mean, you you say, I mean, it, it feels like the if there was like a motto for this Buccaneers team, it's that they're doing just enough, right? At you know their their offense is not. I mean, because if you look at their at their game log. They haven't scored more than 22 points outside of one game. And that was a, a the loss of the Chiefs in week four, where they scored 31 points. Um, so it is. Oh, <laughs> that was a particularly a particularly bad game and in, in a, in a, a, the worst, their worst. Uh, strangely, even though they scored their most points of the season, uh, they had three rushing yards against the Chiefs in week four. <laughs> three. That's, that's really bad. Um, so, um, yeah. I, it, it, so, I mean, it's as easy it is to point that out. Like, I mean, they they have been consistently not not so great on offense, right? Um, so I think it is easy to look at that. But as you say, this is Tom Brady, and he does have weapons to, to utilize. And um, it, I their offense may be able to do just enough like they did against uh, the Saints last week, like they did against Seattle a couple of weeks ago, like they did against the Rams a couple of weeks ago. Um, but also this is a team that that scored three points against the, against the Panthers in week eight. So or in week seven. So who knows? Like this is just a weird, weird, weird team. And then, you know, on the same token of that, their defense is also strange. Like, um, while they have pretty good numbers in terms of points allowed and yards allowed, um, they actually give up, uh, you know, a pretty decent chunk of, of rushing yards and a, and a pretty, um, and they're, they're better against the pass as you, as you might expect, given the the caliber of their, their pass rush and, and their defensive backfield. Um, 
so I think there's an opportunity there. But as you say, uh, if it comes down to a situation where it's like, okay, who's going to be able to, who do you trust more? If, if it's like, I don't know, like 13 to 10 at the end of the game and, and the Buccaneers have the ball. <sighs> I don't know. I've seen that movie before, right? Like th- there's some concern there. Now, in that case, I think you trust the 49ers defense to get the job done. Um, but I guess my concern would be that is that this, if, if Brock Purdy can't do enough, if this turns into a, a particularly bad uh, de- offensive performance, then what we get is something like the, the Broncos game you know when we yeah, week three was, where it's like this defense is playing like is playing lights out but the offense just can't do anything um i think that's certainly on the table uh and that would be my reason for concerns i'm right there right there with you perfect example i was just about to say the broncos game is like what can happen it's almost a picture perfect example of the worst case here and you know it was this. It's a similar situation. Obviously, the Broncos game was way more concerning, mostly just because the Broncos offensively are not nearly as good as the Buccaneers, which is incredible to say, <laughs> given how much we've been talking about of how like not great the Buccaneers have looked. But equally importantly, you know, they had some expectations of Jimmy Garoppolo as like, but. Thing, you know, right, the, the baseline that Garoppolo provided, mm-hmm. which we don't know if Purdy provides that or not. Exactly. That was kind of the difference there. We get, but we have a game. Purdy comes in cold off the bench, plays quite well. Everyone's super excited about it. Next game, good defense, getting a full week of reps, and things, you know, things might fall apart. And if they fall apart, we get a Broncos situation. I. Yeah. It's the more we talk about it and the more <laughs> the more I'm realizing how similar the situations are. Yeah. I mean, but, you I know, mean, there's... it could also be a Trey Lance versus the Texans last year yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah. You know, you come in and you do enough. Yeah. The, I mean, the difference is here. I think the Broncos defense is is better than the Bucks defense uh, on on the on the general scale. And but but that's made up for with even though Brady has not been like spectacular this year, he's still outplaying Russell Wilson this season by like a thousand miles. Um, the, you know, it's, it's pretty bad um, <laughs> for Russell Wilson. Uh, so I think that sort of evens the, evens those things out. But the difference in this case being that I don't think, Shanahan goes into this game going, oh, well, I trust that Purdy's going to be fine. I don't have to do anything different to, like, prepare him or or anything like that. He knows what he's dealing with, right? This is a, a seventh-round draft pick, a rookie who's never started an NFL game before. He's not going to throw him out there in the same way that he would have expected Garoppolo in week three to just be like, dude, you've done this before. Like, go play. And that didn't work out. So I could see there be a little bit more protection for for Brock Purdy in that particular case. And he put him and puts him in in a better position because he knows, you know, this is his first start, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I, I know that's sort of crisscrossing in like <laughs> reasons for concern and reason for optimism. But I, I definitely think that certainly is in play. But I think the difference is here that while the Bucks defense is, is pretty good, um, I don't think it's nearly as like world destroying as as the 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 Broncos defense was, um, and 
I think the thing that will that will separate this game is whether or not Brock Purdy can just sort of do enough to keep the Niners defense or the Niners offense kind of moving along. Um, and there's a pretty good chance that they can control the game, right? Um, you know, that's what we talked about last week against Miami. They had the ball for 40 minutes. Who's to say they can't do that against against Tampa if they can kind of keep on schedule and all those sorts of things? I think they have a you know a good enough of an offense versus defense matchup to to kind of control the game, and it doesn't even really matter what his offense does because they can't have the ball. Yeah, I mean we're kind of crisscrossing kind of all over the place because it's that type of game. I think right. you know we started off and I said I don't know if I feel any different that Brock Purdy starting versus Jimmy. Have we changed our mind here? I, yeah, I think we've definitely <laughs> changed our mind there. I mean, I don't know. The thing is, we don't know how bad it can get with Purdy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We know how bad Garoppolo can play. And even then, the 49ers have managed to win more often than not. Broncos game aside, that was the worst I think Garoppolo had ever played as a 49er. But yeah. You, there's just you don't know, and yeah. you're right. I think the deltas across the like board for almost everything for the 49ers versus Bucks is larger than what it was against the Broncos, especially offense defense wise. 49ers offense, Bucks defense. I think the issue is that the Buccaneers are like capable of being a functional offense in a way the Broncos were not and mm. are not. <laughs> and there's a real concern here that like if the Bucks somehow piece something together and Purdy isn't ready, the game is kind of lost there already. So who mm. knows? I mean, for all you know, next week we're talking about how Brock Purdy is the second coming or something because of how incredible <laughs> he looked. Because you don't know. You never know. Yeah. There's he like he passed almost all the tests you need from last week. Really, all the concern yeah. is a question to you of uncertainty, a question of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's your entire reason for concern is you have a pretty known quantity in the Bucks offense going against a known quantity in the 49ers defense. You have a pretty known quantity in the Bucks defense going up against an unknown because you know, the 49ers have not ran the ball particularly well, enough to where we can just say, oh, they run it 37 times, get 200 yards, call it a a day. That's not something they've always been able to do this year. They have to pass the ball. And you're just, you're asking yourself, you're trusting Brock Purdy more than I think the 49ers might want to. And we have mostly one game of proof that he can handle it to some extent. But mm-hmm. it's you know, there's that's not a lot. What if you one game of proof tells us that Trey Lance is a bust, right? The point is, <laughs> and then you choose another game yeah. and he's the greatest quarterback. The point is, you know, you choose one game, you choose the Saints game for Jimmy Garoppolo, and you think he's one of the best quarterbacks to play football, and you choose the Broncos game. We don't know. There's no right. way of knowing. And just like in the beginning of the year, I think we talked about you're going to have growing pains with Lance, how he sees different looks, how he adjusts. Those don't go away just because Brock Purdy has played four years at Iowa or Iowa, Iowa, Iowa State. State. Yeah, Iowa don't State. get that wrong. Yeah. 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 No, I, that's, that's why I had to make sure I was correcting myself. 
That would be just because he played four years at Iowa State doesn't mean he somehow knows every look. NFL quarterbacks in their eighth year can get confused and flustered by defenses. So the grown pains are going to happen here as well. You don't spin out of the pocket at a certain time. When the safeties rotate, you have to recognize the coverage. When the, a blitz is coming, you have to recognize your hot receiver. All these things are, you know, he's going to struggle with these at some time. And the issue is that, not really an issue, but just knowing that that's going to be a thing that's going to happen and finding a way to deal with it. And I think the 49ers offense, as we've said, is uniquely prepared to deal with quarterback issues in a way other offenses aren't. But you're asking a lot if the Buccaneers manage to get like 21 points on the board somehow. That's that's a big ask from a Brock Purdy-led offense against a pretty good Tampa defense. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, And I, I guess my my sort of final thought on this was is and I don't remember where I read this, but I, I I do remember seeing somebody saying about saying something to this extent. It's like the the benefit is is that it's not like it's not like teams didn't know Brock Purdy was about. Like the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of tape on him already coming in. It's not like this this is this unknown kid, and it's not like he went out there against um, you know against Miami and they were like, Oh my gosh, who's this kid? Like, where did he come from? Um, so there's a, a pretty good chance that, that they didn't, I mean, other than the sort of normal things that you do to a rookie, which I imagine are the things that the Todd Bowles and Tampa Bay are going to try to do to him, you know, confuse him, you know, confuse him with the coverages and, and that sort of thing. I, I think it's very much a, like he is what he is kind of thing. And, and if he can manage to, to take care of the mental part of it and he did sh- show some things against the Dolphins. You know, there's a video going around of him uh, recognizing that a blitz was coming and and signaling to George Kittle to, to shorten his route so he was able to get it to him. I think it was on that that uh, that play where he kind of took it on the chin as he got got it to Kittle in the middle of the field. Um, I don't remember when that was, but at some point in the game. So if he can if he can do that, like if he can do that more often than not, I think you know it's it, the unknown, as you say, is certainly there. Um, but uh, I. I th- I think for it, there are a lot of ways this could have been a, a significantly worse matchup for the 49ers coming in. And I think the fact that we should expect the 49ers defense to dominate the game on that in that matchup will really help the fact that, you know, maybe Verde doesn't have to, they don't have to put up a bunch of points to win this game, as you said, um, might be a good thing. And it could be, you know, if they were facing a significantly, better offense if this was against the chiefs or something like that then i'd be like i I don't know man like (laughs) i don't know if the defense can can hold its own so long if the offense can't do anything but i think i think they might be able to do enough offensively to uh to pull this one out because of the major discrepancy between the what the bucks have done offensively and what the niners have done defensively just this season i know tom brady blah 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 but he just it, it hasn't really been there that much this year. And so I think this is a really good matchup for the, for the 49ers defense. Um, and I think they're going to be able to, to, to do the job. So, um, all right. So what do we think? What do you think? Prediction? How do, how do you think this one's going to end up? And I know there's like 90 different ways it could go, but uh, what do you think? I'm feeling 
there's also a rain prediction in Santa Clara, but it's probably not mm. going to be like monsoon wise. But worth noting, I'm going to say 17-13 49ers. I I would be amazed if either team crosses 20. And you know we talked a lot, but I think Purdy can do just enough. And I think it's one of those games you get a quick score, get a field goal, and a 10 point lead feels like a 30 point lead almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, as I said, I uh, posted uh, a, a, an article on, on Niner Noise the other day. Actually, I think it went out today um, with my predictions. So unfortunately, I have to ride with that <laughs> from here on out. Um, I may change them as we go through week to week, depending on, on what happens uh, in the week prior. But at this point, I'm just going to go ahead and roll with what I said on the on the site. And that uh, I had a, a 49ers winning this 24 24- to 10 so I went a little bit higher than you um the one thing of note is that the, the Buccaneers even though their offense has not been great this year they haven't really turned the ball over very much uh, this year uh, they only have 11 turnovers which is second in the NFL um in lowest amount of turnovers interestingly enough seven of those 11 are fumbles um which means you know maybe there's a good chance that there's there's something there you can see the Niners you know getting a shorter field or maybe the defense is, uh, defense gets another score or something like that. We do know that Tom Brady has in the past had a, uh, a, and it has been good for an occasional uh, pick six opportunity. But uh, um, so, I, yeah, I think maybe the offense is able to get 17 points and the defense finds a way to, to manufacture a touchdown or maybe they just put them in a position where they can score another touchdown that they might not have gotten based on simply yardage and makes the, the discrepancy look a little bit worse. But you know, if all things hold, I just don't see the Bucks being able to to do very much um, against this Niners defense. It just doesn't work out matchup wise. So, all right, Aksha, any uh, final thoughts for you on this one before we wrap things up? Just you know, I think I do want to like caution and just like emphasize: Brock Purdy is a rookie. The rookie <laughs> yes. pains are going to happen, and it's not what you want because. I, I mean, who knows if Brock Purdy is the future for this franchise. I highly doubt that's the case, but right. just that <clears throat> there are going to be some, like, bad decisions, and you just got to gotta go with it, expecting perfection out of him just because he played kind of well against the Dolphins is not, like, doesn't make sense. So I think lower your expectations, and you won't be disappointed, and we'll just <laughs> see. We'll see how it goes. Well, well said, sir. Well said. Um, that, that is a, as good a note to end on as any as I can think of. So um, thanks uh, to everyone out there for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Uh, as always, check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. 